Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different, and I'm actually interviewing somebody. I am interviewing Kiri, who is a 12-year-old. Actually, since we've recorded this, she's actually 13. And she has agreed to come on and talk about her experiences with her OCD. And I think this is really helpful because I think hearing it from a child directly gives us a little bit more perspective on what the battle is and what we can do as parents to help and what would help from a child's perspective. So I am going to be doing um, quite a few interviews. I have a lot of interviews lined up because I did this one and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I like doing interviews. So I have, um, for the next few weeks at least, I have interviews lined up and we'll see how that goes. See what you like. So don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of these interviews. So let's get right to the interview. Here is Kiri. Okay. So I want to welcome Kiri to the show. Thank you so much for being on here. So Kiri is 12, almost 13, and she has been kind enough to volunteer to come on and give us a kid's perspective on what OCD is, like the most effective of treatments, and a little bit more detail on ERP. So thank you so much, Kiri, for being here. You're welcome. So I wonder if you can start off with just telling people a little bit about how OCD started with you and, and what it was about for you. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I've always sort of been an anxious person. So for my whole life, um, I've had anxiety, but I didn't used to have, uh, OCD didn't start until I was in about fifth grade. That was when it really came out and appeared. It was about when, um, it was around, I remember, um, one big thing was that, um, one of my cats died right around when it started. So that was one of my, um, earliest problems. And I had a lot of trouble with hand washing too, but I didn't really know a lot about managing it yet. So, um, that became a problem in school and everybody is very understanding. However, um, it was still just, it was still being a problem. So then I went into therapy sometime in January and um, I learned about ERP. And since then I've been working on it. And after, um, after a little bit, I took care of all that sort of beginning, beginning anxiety. My first problems like the hand washing that's hardly ever a problem now. I used to, um, I used to wash my hands until the the skin got dry and cracked, but now um, they only get dry in the winter, and they're perfectly good now. So that's great. What was what was the thought around the hand washing? I don't remember. Um, I think a lot of it was. Um, fear of the stomach virus. It's something that I still, de- still deal with, but it's a lot better now. Um, I, I, when I was in, I think, fourth grade, I got a bad stomach virus, and 
um, then my OCD started. And so I started being really, really worried about um, getting the stomach virus. And I mean, even though the only thing that happens is you throw up, I was just terrified of it. Like, and of course, when you're at school, people throw up just about <laughs> all day long. So yeah. it, that, that also made a problem. I remember once I was terrified because um, someone pushed past me and touched me on the way to the bathroom to throw up. And it, it was recently after I started ERP. So I understood um, kind of dealing with that. But that sort of thing, I think, was one of the main reasons that led me to wash my hands. And um, also, I just sort of thought that I needed to wash them as much as I could or else I'd get sick. Like, I mean, if I touched the ground, then obviously I'd have stuff from the ground on my hands. And so I needed to wash them. You know, and that is interesting because so many kids have that type of OCD. And some people have just the anxiety component of that, like that fear of throwing up is so common. So it'd be interesting to hear from you, like what ERP looks like for that type of problem. How did they start with that? Well, I remember that one of the very first things I did for ERP is um, in the building where I was doing my therapy, we went into the bathroom and we touched all the sinks and the toilets and stuff. And I don't remember exactly what I thought. I think I don't think I was as terrified because I knew that we were doing this in kind of a controlled way. Mm -hmm. But um, it it was just sort sort of, it it was kind of odd because normally people don't go around touching toilets for the fun of it. So (laughs) it was, it was um, definitely new to me. So did they explain ERP to you? Yeah. um, I found, I know, um, before I really started having OCD, um, I saw a therapist and he worked, he um, specialized, he, he, he worked with anxiety, but he didn't specialize in OCD and he was far away. But I managed to find um, a really good therapist who is only two hours away. And wow. I mean, still a drive, but um, this therapist um, specializes in OCD and is, um, has really been a help, and she um, explained ERP to me. I've always kind of um, liked understanding procedures and stuff, like um, mm-hmm. the dentist, um, another thing I'm terrified of, but I like it when they tell me what they're doing so I don't just find myself pinned down. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of times parents and therapists start doing ERP, and they don't explain why they're doing that to the kid. And without the child fully understanding, like, why do you want me to touch a sink? Like, why do you want me to touch the floor? Then it's not really going to be very powerful. And I know there's probably tons of people out there who are listening to this and they're like, ERP, what are they talking about? So let's back up. We'll talk about, it's, it stands for exposure response prevention. And I wonder from your perspective, if you can explain it to kids. Well, ERP, um, so when you have um, OCD, um, say like something that used to worry me, um, you know, I, I touch the, the person who is going to throw up touched me. And so I immediately thought, oh, no, I have the stomach virus because of um, viruses that are now on me from being touched. 
uh, they're going to get into me and I'm going to throw up and it's going to be horrible and uh, it's it'll be the end of the world. So with ERP, what you do is you don't go wash your hands because um, b before I knew about ERP, what I would have done is go wash my hands in a sink right away to get it off because, I mean, even if, even if it didn't really seem logical, like say I was touched on another part of my body, it would just feel like I was washing it off. And yeah. I mean, it, obviously, if it wasn't like my kneecap or someplace really weird where I couldn't wash it, I'd probably want to wash that too. But with ERP, the goal is you don't wash your hands until you wash them normally. Like, um, I mean, if you obviously you should wash them before you eat and after you use the bathroom, but you don't wash them other times. And it's not just with that though. Um, be, because uh, ERP, that's just the general idea. You don't give in to, to the idea that you need to go wash your hands or do whatever. You don't give in to the compulsion and you just, uh, you sort of hold on and then, it, it, and then the thing is, um, it's really terrifying at first because I mean, you just can't stop thinking, I have this, these stomach virus viruses on my hands, I'm going to get sick. And, but if you wait, then you start to habituate and it doesn't, it doesn't feel scary anymore. And though that sounds kind of weird, it actually works. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point for kids to hear that from you, because I agree. I think people who don't understand it, it does sound weird. And when I suggest it to kids in my office, they're like, what, what kind of torture therapy is this? So it's good for people to hear that, that they do habituate, they get used to it and then it loses its power. Yeah. And uh, I mean, good, good ERP. Um, you shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be where it's so scary that it's just out of your mind with terror. You start with the smaller things and you work your way up and gradually you just realize that, you know, maybe I don't need to wash my hands. I'm not just going to die. And uh, I mean, say you do get the stomach virus and it's not the end of the world. Then you realize, you know, okay, wow, it's, I'm not going to die from this. It's not the end of the world. Like I thought I can, I don't have to wash my hands all day long. Right. So I wonder, I wonder how you can encourage people out there who maybe are on the fence with ERP to try it because I think that it's really hard to kind of to get kids to do these type of things. Well, I think if you're looking at ERP and it just seems absolutely terrifying and it just doesn't seem like it'll work, then I think that, that the way to go is to just try it and see what happens because and it works for pretty much everybody so it, it, it's uh, it just seems very weird and strange but if you try if you try it then sometimes maybe you'll get surprised and it will because it's it's it is surprisingly helpful because it just seems like the absolutely wrong thing to do to make the anxiety worse but by making it worse you just realize that it's not it, it, that what you are worrying about isn't actually that big a deal 
because you know, you, you, you don't wash your hands and you think that means you'll get sick and then you don't get sick and you realize that you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that's, that's good advice. So what, what other kind of ERP exposure exercises did you do? Um, I think a lot of it was stuff like that. I know um, once I had to eat something, I dropped on the floor, but that wasn't really, it wasn't really a problem for me. I just don't tend to eat stuff I drop on the floor because it's, uh, it's kind of gross once something goes on the floor, but I was fine with that because by then I'd been doing it for a while and I realized I probably wouldn't die. The, it, it, it was a lollipop. I think it had a hair on it, so... <laughs> It didn't make it a little bit more exciting. Yeah, it didn't look too appetizing, but um, (laughs) I liked it and I, I lived. So, so was that on purpose? Like, did they, did they want you to, did your therapist want you to lick a lollipop on purpose or did it accidentally fall? uh, No, my, my therapist told me, um, uh, I was explaining how I don't eat stuff off the floor just to, just as a rule, not because I was scared. And she said, well, uh, prove it. And um, so, so, so she made me put the lollipop on the floor and then eat it. That again. is funny. Well, yeah. and I think a lot of times, um, at least in my office, like we do have to do a lot of weird things that, that typical people wouldn't do. And so a lot of times kids will say to me, Natasha, nobody would do this. This is gross. And so I try to explain, you know, with ERP, we have to swing kind of far to the right to swing back to the middle. So yeah, like after touching a toilet seat, nobody's going to eat this candy that I'm offering you in my hand. But also a lot of people don't have, you know, this debilitating OCD. So it's sometimes we do have to do some unusually gross things in, in, in therapy to kind of overcome it. But I like what you said too, it's done in baby steps. And so it shouldn't be overly stressful or paralyzing it should be just slightly uncomfortable as you progress. So that's yeah. a good point. If, if ERP is just leaving you absolutely terrified, then you need to go back a step and just try it on a slightly lower level. Yeah. You seem really knowledgeable about this. It's very helpful. So a lot of times the parent is a little bit more um, excited about this stuff or overzealous than the child because they're not the ones suffering typically. And so they want to make some headway. They want to make progress. And so they're doing ERP at home and the child maybe is not on board. What, what would be some advice that you have for parents in how to like manage or help their child? Well, obviously, um, if you don't have OCD, then I think it can be really hard to sort of understand what it's like because it's kind of it's it's a bit of a complicated experience because it's just it affects so many facets of your life and it's not it doesn't always affect them in bad ways so i mean like i think i think one of the good ways it can affect your life is that there are other people out there with it and you can meet them and you know you can have someone else who sort of understands it i think that's a good thing so i don't think it should be viewed as just all negative but and that's a good point. I like that point. I think that's a good point. Do you, how can, and I know I'm asking you another question on top of a question, but that brought up something else. How, how can kids meet other kids? Because I do feel like whenever I meet kids, they feel so alone and isolated. Well, 
Um, I know something I haven't gotten to go to yet, but really want to go to is the um, OCD conference. Like, um, but it's held by the International OCD Foundation, and um, I know Wall of Wall. Of course, I was going to go there last year, but we had some scheduling issues and um, that made it stop. But this year, we're hopefully going to and. Just stuff like that. I think there. I mean, there are a lot of OCD conventions where there will be other people with OCD, and there are, there are adults with OCD as well. Um, for and there there are adults and children and all just different kinds of people. And there's also there's um, OCD Awareness Week, which I I always wear my bracelets to support it. That's great. And uh, I think people, uh, like people in my school, who all think OCD is about neatness, um, that th- they don't n- know what the bracelets are for. But I still just feel glad wearing them because people can just see I support this and just other things like that. Like once um, at my school, we always have to do an oral report. And last year, I did my report on OCD, and I didn't make it personal. Nobody. I don't think anybody has any any idea at my school that I have it, but I just want to tell people that it's not it's not just being um, worried about neatness as the sort of stereotype. Yeah, and I think you're bringing up, yeah, and you're bringing up another good point. So I want to get to that point. I want to end the other thing that we just talked about. So the International OCD Foundation, for people who don't know that, does an annual conference, and I'll leave a link below to um to enroll in their conference this year it's in washington dc so hopefully i'll see you there because i haven't gone to one yet either but i'm going so that is a great place because they even have breakout sessions for kids separately which i think really would help um feel that community support and also there are a lot of ocd chapters in the country and you can go to the iocd f.org website and find your local chapter and see if they have support groups because there are there aren't any in Arizona where I am maybe one day if I have time I'll start one but there are some really active ones across the country so I just wanted to mention that and then I want to go on to what you're just talking about and then we'll go back to the parent thing because I'm sure there's a lot of parents listening who are like wait wait talk about the parent yeah. thing so we'll go Sorry, back to I that off. Yeah. no you're bringing up some really good things though the memes in society, it's like so misunderstood. And I think even being a teenager, it's got to be even harder because you're bombarded by like these like funny memes about, oh, you're so OCD and it's used as kind of an adjective. How, how do you handle that? And I think, total side note, but I also think people like you coming out, making these videos, bringing awareness to the true struggle of OCD and the good things. It's helpful because I feel like people don't understand that. I had a teenager come to me recently and I've been seeing her forever, like for like maybe six years for anxiety. And she had OCD and well, she was like, well, Natasha, I Googled it and I put in what was going on with me and I took OCD tests and it said I didn't have it because I am not afraid of germs and I'm not really neat. So I was just like, eh, okay. And she had classic OCD. And she couldn't even find some evidence online to support her. And so she suffered for a few more years until she finally disclosed it to me. That's sad. Yeah. How, how do you deal with people who don't understand OCD or who make comments like that? 
Well, I think for one thing, it's it's really kind of hurts because I mean, like in my class, people do that a lot at school. You know, they're always saying, you know, you know, you're you're so OCD that that's your OCD coming out. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's really it, it really makes you sort of sad because you think that you know it's they don't really appreciate that you struggled with it, and so I think. Most of the time, I just don't say anything because I haven't, I mean, I haven't told a ton of people about my OCD, not because I'm ashamed, but because, I mean, you know, with all the memes and stuff, it's sort of difficult to explain to people my own age, but. um, And that's sad that there's a stigma attached to it because people don't understand. Yeah. And so I think the thing that I think the main thing I've done about that is the presentation I gave last year. And, um. Uh, and I, I didn't make it about me in any way, but I explained what OCD was, and um, I didn't want it to seem offensive because I mean, people they one even though it is really painful when they do that, they don't do it because they want to hurt your feelings. They just right. don't know. And so I wanted to make it seem like I was just you know, hey, here's this phrase that people just randomly use. Did you know that it use it means something else? And so. I really hope that I taught some people some stuff about it. And I mean, though I still hear them using it, I hope that they understand it a bit better now. I think that's awesome. I think if, if more people did that, because there's so many kids, I mean, one out of 200 kids have OCD, it's more than diabetes. So if every kid who had OCD or a lot of kids did that, there'd be a lot more understanding. And I, I do like your point that they're not doing it to be mean, you know, and it's not just kids, obviously it's a lot of adults too. Yeah. They're just, they're just ignorant. They just don't understand how that's offensive. They have no idea. So it's just about education, which I think is good. All right. Going back to the parent thing, because I think a lot of parents want to know this. Yes. Um, I have a son who has OCD. And so as a parent, I know sometimes I want him to get better faster than he wants to get better. Like even just this morning, we did an exposure because we do them at home a lot of times. And we kind of negotiate, you know, I'll be like, well, if you do that, you know, you can earn blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, it's a five right now. So I'm not sure I'm going to do it. And so we're negotiating and I try to be really respectful to where he's at, but also because his OCD revolves around food and so he won't want to eat. And so it's impacting his health. I get really nervous. And I know a lot of the parents that I work with and that I talk to online are so nervous about their child's health mental health, and sometimes like with me, physical health, that there is a fine line between pushing our kids and respecting that they're in charge. So what would be your advice to parents on how to help their kids and what they should do to maybe, um, or what they should not do? Well, um, for one thing, um, I want to point out with, with OCD, um, if you're not familiar with it, um, it can seem kind of like the person with it is a little bit crazy because I mean, it just does, it might not make sense, uh, but it's really not, it's not like being insane or anything, which I mean, I, I don't think it seems like I'm a lunatic or anything. But, it does not look that way. Um, uh, it's not, it's really isn't like, it's not like stereotyped insanity or anything. It's just, your brain keeps telling you to be worried about this and it preoccupies you. 
and you know, I mean, you know, most of the time, your mind can work perfectly fine if it's not for these intrusive thoughts that distract you. That is such a good point too, because I see that a lot of parents try, they get upset because it's not rational. And I explain to parents, I say to parents, you know, OCD is not rational. And most of the kids that I work with who have OCD are actually either average intelligence or above average intelligence, very intelligent people. And so when their parents see them having these irrational fears that, you know, are their OCD theme, they don't get it. And they're like, why would she think there's bird poop on the door? Like that doesn't even make any sense. Or I had a parent recently who was like, she'll like eat gum off the floor, but she's washing her hands like 25 times a day. And I'll say to parents, OCD is irrational. So stop trying to make sense of it. And it's not that intellectually kids don't get it because I think kids are smart and they get that it's irrational. They get that it doesn't make any sense, but that doesn't make the worry go away. So I love that point because I do feel like parents need to stop trying to make sense of it or trying to rationalize it with their kids and just accept that it's an intrusive thought or it's an obsessive thought and then move on. So I think that that's a really good point. So are there things that parents can do that might make it worse? Well, I think for one thing, um, you shouldn't ever get mad at your kid for being worried about all these things because, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm not a parent, but it must be really frustrating because you want so much to help them and have them get better, but you don't understand why they can't or uh, maybe it even seems like they won't. That is a good point too. I do feel like parents get upset. And also I've had some parents say like, like they're contaminated. So their kids either won't hug them or um, won't touch something that the parent has touched and they take it personally. What would you say to that? Well, I think, I think I want to, well, I think it's sort of like the, the intrusive thoughts, they, they don't really, they they don't tend to agree with uh, your personal ideas. Like, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, sometimes they do, but you could, I mean, I think, you know, maybe you could, that someone could love their parent, but their OCD tells them that the parent's contaminated and they would really like to touch the parent and stuff, but they just feel like they can't because of their intrusive thoughts. And it's, I mean, it's like two different things. So I think the, the, the person themselves should never be blamed because while the thoughts are a part of them, uh, the thoughts aren't their fault. Yeah. And I think it's good for people, for parents, maybe who are listening to hear that because I say that, but they're like, whatever, but you know, coming from you, for them to realize like, it's not a personal issue. It's an OCD issue and it's not about them. So it seems to me like your mom is awesome (laughs) and she's super supportive and you guys are a great duo because you're, you're great advocates for OCD. And I think that's awesome and really admirable. What, what is your mom doing right that other parents should hear about? Because I mean, you sound so educated on this and you're doing so well and and OCD is such a hard thing that I wonder what other parents should do that maybe your mom did well I think uh, I'm really lucky because my mom um has some experience with OCD as well so 
I'm, I'm really extremely lucky on that point. And I think just some of the best things are that she, um, well, first of all, she found me a really nice therapist. Uh, my therapist is just great, and I can't really, it's hard to explain how um, awesome this therapist has been. And that is so important. And I think people do struggle with finding a good OCD therapist. And if you don't have a good OCD therapist, you know, a, a therapist who doesn't understand OCD can probably do more damage. So, you know, and I, if people are struggling with that, they can go to the IOCDF.org backslash find dash help. I've like memorized that <laughs> to yeah. tell people because they, that's a good place to at least start where they list people who say they have ex- expertise in OCD. So I didn't yeah. mean to cut you off, but I want to throw that out there. Yeah. My therapist, um, she doesn't live two hours away now, but she, she does online visits and, and I mean, she's really friendly and I mean, she, she lets you be sort of silly too, as long as you focus, but I can, I can be very silly at the beginning and end if I want to be. And that's awesome. You should be, you should be yourself and therapy should be fun. So I think that's great. Does she do online therapy for, for anybody? Uh, we use, um, uh, sort of, um, that we use that at VC. You use what? VC. It's 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 an app that's kind of like this for video conferences and stuff. Oh, that's cool. I think that's neat. And there are a lot of OCD. Well, there aren't a lot, but there are good OCD online therapists. And so, um, if people can't find one in their area, they can definitely find someone who maybe will do some distant therapy, which is good too, because it's like we're talking in person. So. Yeah. What, how does your mom handle your OCD or, or how would you think other parents can handle OCD when people are having like meltdowns because their OCD is triggered and they're kind of in an OCD loop or when they want their parents to complete a compulsion and the parent is pulling back because they know that it's not good for them, but the child gets really angry. What do you suggest? I think just, I think that they should just try as hard as they can to be understanding. And uh, I mean, it it must be really, really difficult because if, I mean, like I said earlier, if you don't have OCD, it can be really hard to figure out what it's like for that person. But I think just being understanding and trying to, and trying to just um, let the child know that, um, you know, you're going to do everything you can to help and you, and I mean, if you refuse to complete the compulsion or something like that, it's it's just because you want to help, not because you're trying to make them more anxious or just something like point. that. So, do you think the parents should just stop completing those compulsions for their kids, or should they do it slowly? Should they talk to their child and kind of partner with them and come up with a plan? Well, I um. I think the latter two, because uh, um, if you just stop, then that will be very disorienting for the child, and the, the then the child will probably be angry because uh, I mean it, it seems like the parents just trying to torture the child by making the anxiety worse. But if you were to um, just let, just work it out with the child and then very slowly just stop doing it, then. I think 
that is, I think that just stopping is a very bad idea, but um, just doing it all the time is also a very bad idea. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like finding that balance and, and telling your kid like what OCD is, educating them on why compulsions are bad, and then coming up with a plan together on like how to slowly pull yourself out of those compulsions, which I think is a really good point. And I think um, one of the things that I think is most important for um, helping this child is just to give the child all the resources possible. Like, um, I don't mean I don't mean like cars and stuff to drive away, but um, <laughs> I mean like I mean like um, my mom's gotten me books to to help like books. Um, uh, like there are books about people with OCD or books uh, um, helping with OCD, though. Uh, I mean, uh, of course, just uh, random things. It should um, you know, pr- probably be chosen at least slightly carefully. And then just um, the, the, uh, um, if I need help from my therapist, I can text her or email her. And um, if I want a session, then that will be scheduled as soon as possible. The, I mean, she can be busy, but. That's great. I mean, I think just I think just resources are the key to go because if the um, the key to go, I meant the way to go. Um, yeah. The, the because if the child can read about it and start to understand it and uh, turn where they want to to try to help and just feel just know that they have some control over what they do, then I, I think that's better than just doing it all for the child. Oh, I totally agree. I think that's such a good message to give to people because if it's not your child's battle and it's your battle, or if you're a kid and you're letting your parents, you know, fight it for you and you're not really part of it, it's just not going to work. So what's, do you have a favorite book on OCD? I don't know. Not to put you on the spot. Yeah. For some reason, I'm never able to remember what I'm reading while I'm reading it. (laughs) I am the exact same way. So, but I do, I'll, I'll leave a link to some, some good OCD books. There are um, some that I think are really good for kids and I'll figure them out and I'll put them down below. So before we go, is there anything that you'd want to say to a kid that maybe is struggling with OCD or feels alone because they have OCD and maybe you're the first person they're hearing talk about OCD and what they are going through? Well, Maybe, first of all, don't feel alone because there are a ton of people with OCD of all sorts of um, different kinds and just types and variations. And uh, and also just keep working on it because at first it's very, very daunting. It doesn't seem like, um, I mean, it, it just doesn't seem like ERP or stuff like that will help at all. It just seems totally weird, but it, it really does actually help if you give it a chance. Well, I think that's a good message to convey. And talking to you, it sounds like you're like 30. <laughs> you do well, not sound... I'm... What? Oh, well, I, I remembered uh, one of my favorite books about OCD. Okay. Um, I like The Boy Who Couldn't Stop Washing because um, just as a note, it is sort of outdated. It was one of the um, earliest books about OCD, like... Um, actually recognizing it instead of just having it be more obscure like when people are just first starting to figure out you know this is a thing it's not just random stuff and it's way more common than we thought 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, the boy who can shut stop washing, it, it shouldn't be just a guide because, like I said, it's outdated. But I enjoy reading it to just think about some of the, uh, well, just some of the d- different people telling their stories in the book. And um, also just the different things people are doing in the book. Like, there are all sorts of, uh, there are several sort of stranger OCD symptoms that you might not think of when you just hear OCD. Like, um, it talks about people um, having to, uh, like, hearing um, music repeated all the time. And I I think that's kind of... In their head. Yeah. And uh, you just don't normally think about that when you think about OCD, even if you know what it is. And that is funny that you say that because um, my son has that. And even therapists that I've taken him to don't realize that that is OCD. They'll just say, oh yeah, we all get songs stuck in our head, but it's like an intrusive song. And like, we're not allowed to sing in my house, but we do just to expose him. But you're right. People would not think that that's OCD, but there's a, I think people don't realize all the many different themes that OCD can have, can make you feel like you're lying, can make you feel like you're a bad person. You can have intrusive thoughts, intrusive songs, intrusive images. So yeah, actually, that's the first book I ever read, too, on OCD. So that's funny. That was a good one. So I'm glad you remember. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You are a wealth of knowledge, and um, I think it's good for people to hear from, from kids directly. So I really, really appreciate your time. You're welcome, and I hope people, I hope this helps anybody listening. I think it definitely will. It even helped me. So I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing her story as much as I did. I thought she was incredibly insightful and had a lot to offer us as parents, therapists, and kids with OCD. I do have this recorded and put up on my YouTube channel. So if you want to watch it, or if you think your kids would be open to watching this interview, definitely check it out. It's on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers 78. Also, while you're there, you might want to catch my new kids edition YouTube series where I make videos directly for kids with anxiety and OCD. And I'm starting to teach them all the things I teach kids in my therapy practice. So that could be a great resource for you because it supplements all that I'm teaching you and I can teach your kids directly as well. So don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel so you don't miss those because they come out every Thursday and my podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you're enjoying my podcast, you can show your appreciation by hitting a star. It won't take but two seconds. If you're listening on iTunes, there's stars under the name of the podcast. If you hit a star, that is a great way to give back to the show. If you have a little extra time and you want to leave a comment, I super appreciate that. And I really want to thank all the people who have been leaving comments because I've been reading them and they warm my heart. (laughs) So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do until next time. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.